Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am back today with Michelle Niedert. We had a great conversation on Monday and you are just full of really good advice on helping our kids when they're struggling through hard seasons, which most of our kids are struggling through hard seasons right now. And I so appreciate uh, just kind of where you were leading that conversation. One of the things that you talked about in that episode was having connected conversations with our kids. And I think that's such an important thing to talk about because oftentimes as homeschool moms, we feel like we're with them all the time. And so, of course, we're having conversations with our kids, but there's a difference between just having a conversation with our kid about, hey, can you please do the dishes? And having a connected conversation with our kid um, and really understanding how, how they're coping with things. And so you had some really great questions. Definitely go back and listen to that if you guys missed part one of our conversation. Um, but you asked about some specific questions that we can ask our kids and then about just taking taking the time to really get to to hear their answers and you know we as parents we have to sometimes kind of dissect their words and their answers because oftentimes kids don't even know how to put into words how they're feeling or what they're struggling with um so you gave some really good advice on that um one thing that you kind of blew by but i thought was a really important thing and i want to talk a little bit about this is you talked about sharing our struggles with our kids and that's one thing that i find especially with my oldest daughter is she seems to be very in tune with me oftentimes i'm i'm kind of a person who i can wear my emotions on my on my shoulders and people know Mm -hmm. when i'm upset and people know when I'm happy or, you know, what whatever emotion I'm feeling that day. And so she will often ask me, mom, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, well, you don't seem like you're fine. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not really totally fine. Um, and sometimes as a mom, I don't want to put those burdens on my kids because I feel like, well, that's just one more thing for them to have to worry about or think about. But I think there's definitely value in our kids knowing and understanding when we're struggling with things and and how and why we're struggling with them and having them see us work through those struggles to know that their struggles are okay. It kind of not, I don't want to say validates their struggles, but validates the fact that it's okay to have struggles in life because we do, we live in a sinful world and, um, and so where, as we share, I, I want you to kind of talk on that for a little bit about sharing our struggles with our kids. When is it too early to share those? How much is too much to share? And how do we help our kids through sharing the things that we're dealing with? Um, How can we help them manage their struggles? Absolutely. I'm so happy to talk about this. Of course, we want to know kids' developmental stages and homeschool moms are so great at that because they're looking at educational developmental stages, but we want to remember that. So the 
you know, the younger they are, the shorter the conversation. Although I think that we go back around to that shorter conversation when they become adolescents because they don't like to hear long conversations at that point from us right. a lot of times. So one thing we want to be aware of when we're doing this with our kids, when we're sharing our struggles is I think it's kind of the same rule that applies to writers. You write in the middle of your struggle, but you don't ever publish in the middle of your struggle. You publish, God has taken you through the struggle and you have reclaimed hope again. And I think that's something important for us. So if you are in the middle of like on a scale of one to 10, we one to 10, a lot of stuff in our, it's funny. I do that still with the kids that sometimes at school, like on a scale of one to 10, how difficult do you think this assignment would be? (laughs) You know, sometimes to help them get that perspective. But, you know, on a scale of one to 10, if you're emotionally at a nine or a 10, I don't think it's a good time to share with your kids. Mm -hmm. I think you want to have, I think you want to have worked through like my sister's my go-to, like in the morning, we're really best friends. And, um, she writes Bible studies and travels and speaks. And it's funny. She's like, I'm like, if you want to know the concordance of Jeremiah, ask my sister, Melissa's bolster. And then when people interview her and say, what is going on with kids being confused about their gender? She's like, Oh no, 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 no. That's my sister, Michelle. She's the counselor. I have no comments other than, wow, that's really difficult. You know, that's about as far as she goes. So I think we want to have kind of, you know, we want to be vulnerable and we want to be able to share with our kids our struggles. But at the same time, we also, this is what teenagers hate the most. I can tell you this because we hear it all the time in our office. I know exactly what you're going through. Mm. They hate that because you don't. We've never lived through COVID, a pandemic as teenagers and elementary school kids. We've lived through it as parents, but it's different. And we're looking at the research, Dr. Tim Elmore, who I could listen to all day on his research with Gen Z, um, talks about how they want to be validated that their struggle is unique. Mm -hmm. And this is a generation more than any generation that really like it's it's almost strange for us because it's hard to globalize things in the counseling office sometimes because we're like some kids have been through abuse like this and the kid will almost immediately say that's not like my abuse hmm. because they have a very Gen Z has a very I think it's coming from all the voices from all the different media sources they have very individualized perspectives mm-hmm. of themselves more so than a millennial ever did. It's fascinating when you look at generational research. Um, and as Gen Xers, we're pretty low key people. Yeah. Like the research is saying we're pretty resilient. Um, we're great, but we also lived in one of the most, when we look back through our culture, mm-hmm. one of the most economically thriving times right, right. in our nation. I never thought like these Gen Zers, will I ever own a house someday? I thought if I go to school and I get a good job, I'm going to own a house. But the housing market is starting to outprice people. And these kids are hearing these kind of conversations going on and they're wondering what the future holds for them. So I think it's very important that we validate, you know, I I never lived with this kind of access to information. Right. If I wanted to know what, how big the Redlands were, there was these encyclopedias that people sold at the doorstep that we, (laughs) if we were fortunate, we had that one and we could go look it up. And when we were driving through it, my husband and I are trying to remember from history and my daughter's like, let me Google it. Let me Google it. Hand me a phone. You know, it's just, it's a different world with information and access to it. So I think it's really, and this is Gen, Gen Z part B 
is the first generation, and they're just now coming up, that were born with screens. Mm-hmm, like right. literally parents oh, yeah. handed it to them when they were in the doctor's office and right. they didn't want, you know, to be distracted from the conversation or whatever. Right. So we don't know exactly, we don't even know what their brains are like. I'll tell you something a little scary, Yvette, when you really think about it. The research on screens is coming out that some of these kids are spending, and I'm worried about our whole culture now, we've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in the amygdala part of our brain, which is the fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm-hmm. Even you and I were joking about it, but it really wasn't very funny when we were shut down in our south southern area and we were cycling electricity mm-hmm. and things like that. We went into survival mode in Texas. I spent some time in my amygdala. But as I did that with my kids, I said to them, you know, yes, the electricity is going on and off. And, and no, we don't know for sure it will go back on. Yeah. But I know that God is going to take care of us and we are going to make it through this. And that may mean we need extra blankets or we need to snuggle. Um, it actually ended up being kind of a sweet time for our family. I spent a lot more time by the fireplace with my kids that we weren't as spread out as we usually are. Right. And I kind of treasured it once I got over the anxiety of it. Right. But my kids could see I was anxious. And so I think that's a time when your kids perceive it. And I have a daughter who has that spiritual gift of mercy that can kind of sense things too. And so I think saying, yes, I am struggling with this. And, but I know that I'm going to work through this because I have worked through so much else. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. I think when parents do their own work, I want to say this so clearly. Um, I have a new podcast season coming out called Raising Mentally Healthy Kids. And people ask me all the time, what's the number one thing? And I'm like, be a mentally healthy parent. Mm, Right. If you are doing that and modeling that and you're managing any fear, depression, you know, health issues you have, your kids are watching you. Right. And they are learning from that, just like you've talked about in so many episodes that you've done on this podcast. But it's so important that we then can talk through that with our kids because they can see that we're working through those things. Yeah. And I think they also want to see as we talk, as we're going to talk a little bit more about how homeschool moms can stay mentally healthy. Yeah. You know, they see us turning to God. I know that a lot of times when my kids are very emotionally overwhelmed, the other night, I'll never forget this because I think it just gives God such a chance to work. My daughter, just the assignments seemed to be piling up. We just had gotten a little behind and we were we were trying to get some stuff caught up. And my daughter was like, um, I've got these assignments due into the like the teacher type thing. And and she was like, I just feel overwhelmed. I think I just feel like it's too much. And I said to her, I can't fix that. I can't change that. I wouldn't want to. But I took that moment and I said, you know what? Can I just pray for you? Can I just pray that God would comfort you? And she's like, yeah, you know how they kind of do <laughs> right. sometimes when they're teenagers. But as I prayed, she started crying. Mm. And it allowed the emotion, I think, to release in her too, which tears are good cleansing ducks sometimes for some of us. And so, I mean, sometimes, I mean, my son would probably rather go punch a punching bag. We have those since COVID out hanging from our tree, Um, some punching bags to, and you name your frustration and you can hit at those and just kind of say, and let them go. We want to begin to let the emotion come through us and then out of us because emotions, energy in motion, it has a natural movement component to it. That's why that movement piece is important. But so we prayed and she got an answer and a postponement. And she said, mom, God was listening and he was working in that moment. And we would have missed that had I not prayed for her with her. And I think praying with our kids and their emotions. I prayed often when my kids were preschoolers. 
I mean, literally in front of them, I would say, God, I am about to lose it. And I need to go in my room and take a timeout because they had calmed down step, but I had a timeout room. <laughs> um, and so I would say, please help me with this because I never want my kids to think this stuff is about them. Right. This is about my expectations and my stuff and my reaction to their stuff. And I need to own that and work through that. And I think even them hearing me verbalize that and seeing me kind of wrestle through that was good for them. Yeah. In fact, my daughter once gave another kid some advice about that on a playground. It was kind of funny. But she was like, if you'll just breathe, not normal breathing, but like deep breaths. My mom does it when she's frustrated. And when I'm in the car and I'm frustrated, she has me do it. Literally, if you take deep breaths for tw like 20 in a row, you will reset your amygdala. Hmm. You will get out of fight flight mode. Yeah. And your brain will start working again. Yeah. Now I didn't teach my daughter amygdala at four, right. but that's, <laughs> you know, that's what's going on. And I think we need to model it and we need to talk to our kids about it. Yeah. And I love that you talk about praying with our kids. That's one thing that we have done always, you know, whether it's the middle of the night and they're scared because they had a bad dream. Um, I mean, this just happened a few nights ago with my youngest. She came and got me, I don't even know what time it was, three o'clock in the morning. Um, and she said, I just had a really bad dream. And she was, you know, freaked out. She knows it's not real. She's 10, but she just couldn't go back to sleep. And so I went and cuddled with her and we prayed together and it becomes just a natural thing for them. Um, and, and I, I love seeing them kind of own those things on their own. Yesterday we had an incident where I was just, I was frustrated about something that had happened. And so my oldest daughter, she said, mom, why don't we pray? And so she just grabbed my hand and she prayed with me. And, you know, it's, it's such a sweet thing when we see our kids, because oftentimes they copy the bad things that we do and our bad habits, but it's so sweet when they start copying our good habits. And when we are pointing ourselves and pointing them towards Jesus. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts. And we say, this is what you do step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. Um, that I thought was really interesting is you said to that, that Gen Z, um, which is the generation that our kids are in, is that they often want their struggles to be unique. They want to think that their struggles are unique. And that's interesting that you say that because I have actually heard the opposite before as well in that kids want to know that they're not alone in their struggles. Like they want to know you're not the only one struggling with this thing, you know, this problem. And so how do we balance those two things? Because we want them to know you're not alone in this. And, you know, in other words, you're not crazy. You're not the only right. one who's struggling with this thing. But then we want them to know that we, we care about it. You're not just like everyone else. And you are unique. So how do we balance those things? Yeah. So the first thing I think is we don't say, I know what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. I think we say, tell me more right. about what you're feeling. Help me understand it better. Because they'll say you don't understand. And when my daughter says that to me, I said, you're right, because I haven't walked in your shoes. So tell right. me more about that. Right. And that's good counseling skills. I get like a look at those kick in sometimes in the middle of my parenting. But, he, but you're right. There's actually an intervention that we check off on our progress notes in the counseling center as I'm training new therapists. Mm -hmm. And it's called to normalize. 
And it is so important when we're going through grief to realize we're not losing our minds, that these days of ups and downs and the waves almost pulling over us and coming back, and we've grieved a lot these past two years, sure. that that is normal. That is typical. And our response is not unhealthy. It is a typical response. And then there are times when I will say to a parent, you know, I have some concerns because these are not as typical of responses, right. this extremity. We look at two things. I'll give you some secrets from the counseling center. Okay. We look at frequency and intensity. So that's a great way to tell if your kid is out of balance there. Is it too frequent and is the intensity very strong and it's just growing in that way? Mm -hmm. That's when you want to get them help sooner than later it, because whatever you're doing isn't enough and it's not working. And we even look at that in our office. Like we go back to treatment planning because we are very solution focused. And so if intensity is not like I worked with a kid, oh, this great homeschool kid um, today and you know, mom was like, I can't believe this. A couple of sessions and I'm seeing a change. Like she's embracing hope. And I totally said, mom, I'm giving you credit for that because I didn't even give you this assignment, but you planned some great things for her for this summer. And now she's got something to look forward to. Right. That is such a good distraction if a kid is struggling with something else. Yeah. You know, it's just to have, we all need that, right? That's why moms plan vacations, I think, even though sometimes I think mine are more trips, just a different locale, same activities. Right. But every once in a while there's room service and I'm so grateful because I'm like, oh, this is for real. I'm not cooking. Nobody's cleaning. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. But um, I think it's so important that we do normalize that these are struggles, but we don't also want them to, I think, especially for our kids. I don't want my children to over-normalize because there are things about our culture today that are normal and typical in our culture that I do not expect out of my children. Sure. I expect them to remain attached to me, not at the same level they were when they were two. Right. But, you know, in our culture, a lot of kids and parents just completely detach in adolescence. Right. And I want to unentangle. I've been reading a book about that. Just to remind me how normal it is. I want my daughter to develop into her individual self. Yeah but I want her to stay attached to me. Right. It's really important. And I think that's something, that's one of the reasons we homeschool is because right. we want to hold that attachment. Right. That, that is a great thing. I was talking to a mom the other day and it, it broke my heart to talk to her. She's a homeschool mom. She's got five kids and her oldest is already out of the house and just very bitter towards her and her husband. You know, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, she's a very sweet mom too. I mean, I've gotten to know her pretty well. Um, she has another son who's 17, almost 18. And um, he's he is just kind of in that same state of just bitterness and anger towards his parents. Uh, you know, they they moved from where they were comfortable and living. The Lord just took them somewhere else. And he's really struggled with that. But to the point where, you know, he's like, you did this to me. You've ruined my life. And then she thought, and, and what she told me was she said, you know, I was thinking, well, he's going to be out of the house in a year and, and that will be over. She said, but then I've got my next daughter who's coming up right behind him and she's going to do the same thing. And then her sibling's going to come up and do the same thing. And then they've got a little one who's going to come up. And so like, she's just expecting that that's how teenagers are and and I just thought, oh, how sad, you know mm -hmm. that that she's feeling so uh, discouraged by her relationships with her kids. So so let me ask then on her behalf, how how do we keep our relationship strong with our kids so that they're not feeling like I can't wait to get out of this house, I can't wait to be done with this family, I can't wait to move on with my life. My parents have somehow ruined me. Um, you know how how do we keep that 
tight knit relationship with them to where, you know, when eventually they leave our home, they, they miss us. They miss mom. They miss dad. They miss the family unit that they had here and want to go on and have that same thing for themselves. You know what I think is so hard about that question? It, the answer would be different for each individual sure. child in your family. But I will refer back to another episode you did with a good friend of mine. In fact, one of my closest friends in this industry, Connie Aubers. Uh-huh. And Connie is, if you, I've interacted with her adult children in Florida mm-hmm. with her. And just um, her 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 kids are so unique yeah. and so different and yet so successful. And yet Connie and I are out running around and dad's having dinner with one of the girls. And, you yeah. know, these are 27-year-old right. single adults and married adults. Um, Here's what I would say, though, that I think we need to consider, especially as homeschooling parents. Um, I asked my mom one time, you know, the therapist is thinking through things in grad school. And I said to her, and my parents really did a great job of this in the long run, because (laughs) I don't know if that's totally true, but my parents entered the mission field when the last one went off to college, like took Mm. off. My dad went to work for Mission Aviation Fellowship. But I asked my mom, if you could, I'm the oldest, if you could do one thing differently, what would you do? She said, Michelle, I feel so bad about the way we parented you in one way. And that is that I thought we hold on to you like this super tight grip. And then when you're 18, we just let you go. Hmm. And she said, I wish I'd realized I did a lot better job with your younger sister of every year, loosening a finger, loosening Mm -hmm. a finger, loosening a finger. You were a great kid and you had to fight against areas of control. You never should have because you showed maturity and you showed responsibility and our fear made us grip when we should have trusted God more. Right. In those times. And I thought my mom is a very wise woman, I, I believe, and, and is raised very, you know, k- kids who are making a difference in the kingdom. So and 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 grandkids, my daughter is already like leading worship and, yeah. and you know, preaching on Instagram and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I do think we need to really balance that. I think sometimes we we need to look at our own needs involved in the relationship. Are we making choices out of our need or out of what's really best for this individual child? Mm -hmm. Are we listening to them? Um, I'm about to do a mediation basically with the homeschool family, with the child and the parents where the child wants this and this is not okay. But if the parents hold on to what they want, they will lose this kid. Right. And so we are going to try to come together tomorrow night and Mm. find some compromises that will be really hard biblically for these parents. Yeah. And at the same time, that child will feel like, like I always say in mediation, it's not what you want, but what can you live with? Right. And realizing that both sides are going to lose more than they feel like they ever are going to get. Right. And I don't, I don't think that this is obviously an older adolescent. This, I would not do this with a 12 year old, sure. but, um, but I think it's really important that we do acknowledge that there's an age of accountability spiritually. Mm-hmm. And my children, a lot of times now, ask, like, we'll say, Mom, can I have a snack? And I'm like, Have I taught you about how to eat healthy? Yes. Okay. Then ultimately, who is going to answer to God for their body? Right. And my kids are about at the age where they need to start learning that and seeing what that looks like and how their body reacts to food. And like, if they're in a grumpy mood or they're tired, I'll say to them, Have you thought about what you've eaten today? And how it might have affected, because food affects mood for sure. sure you know? yeah. And so just helping them understand that. But I'm no longer parenting a lot. Yeah. I feel like I've really laid that groundwork, even as you, below 10. Yeah. But now I'm beginning to ask more questions. What do you think I would say? They know. I, I don't need to preach anymore. I've taught well, hopefully. Yeah. 
And if I haven't, it's a great opportunity. And, and, and this is another thing I love. My sister wrote this in her book, Total Family Makeover, is that my kid's behavior is not my parenting report card. Mm. It really isn't. The way I parented them is my parenting report card. God has given them free will in the midst of his sovereignty right. to choose him and to not choose him, to choose his ways at times. And it is hard. I struggled through that this fall with one of my children. They were not aligning. They were changing their social circles. They were, we were hearing things like, oh, you're going to be those parents. And I've got quote marks for those right. of you who can't see. And it was the first time we'd ever heard anything like that. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I didn't fight her on it because, I mean, we held firm to our boundaries. And her dad just said, if that means you're turning off certain things at 10 o'clock, yes, we're going to be those parents. Mm -hmm. We've always been those parents. We're not changing here. Right. Um, I think your expectations are changing of your freedom level, and we're not quite ready for that yet. But the other thing that I did was I recruited every mom in my posse to start praying for her. Mm. And I'm so grateful. She went to a revival and she said, my heart had started turning bitter towards God. Mm. And I mean, I, this girl is like making me look like a spiritual slacker these days. She gets up before I do and reads her Bible in the mornings and spends time in like playing her keyboard and worship and falling into like worship to kind of like that. God has become the shelter. His wings have become her shelter. Yeah. And I love that. And that is not something, and I, I say that because I am not bragging because I know that did not come from me. Right. That came from her choices because she is at that age at almost 14. I cannot force that into right. her. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what I think some parents try to do. They try to force. And I think there comes a point where we have to let them suffer, even though we suffer alongside them. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard. It's yeah. so hard. But I, I really want them to suffer under my roof. Right. Yeah. Before they suffer outside of my yeah. roof. Yeah. So that you can help guide them when that pain comes, um, you know, and help and pray for them. I and then you know. You so. I, I, I hold them and I know how hard it is. Yeah. I don't, I eat the cookies sometimes. I don't always make the wisest choices either. Right. And, um, and I think that's another thing. Sometimes, um, I think our parents' generation thought that um, displaying that kind of weakness and apologizing to our kids mm -hmm. would would lose their respect, but we actually gain it when we do. Yes. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When we admit that we are as flawed as they are and we are struggling as well as we can too. Yeah. I think that vulnerability, as we go back to that first question you asked me, is just so helpful. Yeah. And it really creates attached families. Yeah. yeah. In that sense, we we have to get out of sometimes parenting them, especially those of us who homeschool, because we're also teaching them. Right. And we need to have these moments where I, ha I mean, I have to really work at this. I'm going to be honest a bit. My mind will just go and my list will go and my calendar will go. And sometimes my daughter will be like, mom, let's just turn up the worship. And I'll know in that moment that I'm overwhelming her. Yeah. And then I need to take a step back and sit beside her mm -hmm. and just be her encourager. And so one of my favorite questions to ask my kids during COVID, because this is an unusual time, yeah. is how can I serve you well today? Mm. What could I do to make your life a little easier today? And that's recognizing that they're struggling. Yeah. And I have loved, sometimes my daughter at night will be, could you bring me a cup of mint tea? And, you right. know, she's old enough to make her own mint tea. And I'm, I don't believe in enabling children. I sure. believe children learn the skills. But sometimes I think we model for them serving them and also yeah. making their lives easier. And I hope their spouses will thank me someday. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, and, you know, it, it helps them to see that we're on their team. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. it's not all about producing these perfectly, um, you know, th these perfect children 
it's about helping them learn to cope in the world that we're in and looking to the Lord for their strength, but, but figuring out who they are in Christ. And, and then, you know, that, that the next phase would be, how can we use our struggles and our concerns and our gifts and our weaknesses and our strengths and our talents and abilities and all the things that make up them as a person? How can we use those things to impact God's kingdom? ultimately? And how can we help others through maybe the struggles that they're having? So anyway, we're out of time. We will be back tomorrow to finish this conversation. I still have a couple more questions I want to ask you. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being part of this conversation. This is really encouraging to me. You guys, um, you can find Michelle at, tell me your, yourmentalhealthcoach.com. Is your website correct? Okay. And be sure to share this with your friends. We'll be back tomorrow uh, to conclude this conversation. See you then. Have a great afternoon. Bye. Every year, parents just like you are discovering Classical Conversations, a vibrant, supportive Christian homeschooling program that's been equipping parents since 1997 with the resources, tools, guidance, and encouragement they need to homeschool their children with confidence and prepare them for a lifetime of success. Visit our website at classicalconversations.com to find a nearby community and learn more about homeschooling the Classical Conversations way. Classical Conversations, Christian homeschooling simplified.